Hey everyone, my name is Asher Roddy. And this is Tyler Whipple. Welcome to Talking Two-Tone. We're thrilled to bring you a new and thought-provoking podcast that talks all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead and reserve your ticket now. It's going to be an incredible journey. Tighten up. Hey guys and gals, welcome to another episode of Talking Two-Tone. I'm Asher Roddy and I'm once again joined by the best co-host in the business, Tyler Whipple. Um, let's just dive right into it. We got the big game, the biggest game of the NFL season coming up on Sunday. Um, I could not care less about the outcome except for Matthew Stafford. I want him to win a ring. Um, I don't really give a shit either way, though. Uh, yeah, I, I got the same feeling for you. Uh, if Matt Stafford wins it, great. If Joe Burrow wins it, great. I think they're both pretty good stories. I mean, what kind of career could Joe Burrow have? He's on the same type of trajectory. You know, Pat Mahomes was his second year and won it as a Super Bowl. I mean, I know it was his first year starting, but he was also in his second year when they won that one in Kansas City. So, we might have a new star among us, you know, the, who could really be a powerhouse NFC going forward just because they have this guy in the Bengals. So, you know, history can be written a lot of ways, and uh, we'll just see how it pans out. Um I think the Rams are going to win because I think the, the talent is just – the defensive line of the Rams should absolutely dominate the game. Uh, Aaron Donald and, and company and Von Miller. This We ate up that offensive line. I know their defensive line can too. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. I, mean, they, I think their secondary is just a hint better than ours, so I don't think they'll give up a lot of big plays. And, and also trust their quarterback in this situation more than I do our quarterback for now. Uh, so – yeah, I'm taking the Rams, too. I'm taking the Rams by seven points. I, I, I don't – I mean, if Jeffrey Simmons can get three and a half sacks against that offensive line, and I think he's the second best interior defensive lineman in the league, there's no telling what – I mean, Aaron Donald, the, unless they're going to use 80% of their offensive line to stop him, Quentin Spain is about to get just demolished if they lose him one-on-one. <laughs> And you know, it. I think I've gone on record in saying this, and I still stand by it. I think Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even think it's particularly close. If you, I mean, Aaron Donald is such a specimen. He's the equivalent uh, on defense, of, you know, except in a way harder position to play than uh, of Megatron. Like you in the red zone, you had to put three guys on him and had bracket coverage on Calvin Johnson. And if you just go and look through the film of what teams do against Aaron Donald, it is ridiculous. Sometimes there are three offensive linemen on him, which is absolutely insane. Um, but, yeah, Aaron Donald's probably going to have four sacks. Um, yeah. if, they, if, if they leave him one-on-one, he'll have four or five sacks. I can um, see I can see that. I can see – I mean, you go back to what you said about his – Aaron Donald, and I don't want to get off into a big stretch about Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald could, could in his career is the best defensive player of all time. I mean, honestly. So I just we're right on that. And, and Quentin Spain is going to be guard blocking this guy. Uh, we, we, we really know how that's probably going to turn out. But, uh, yeah. But uh, moving on into the Senior Bowl recap, I, th- I saw a lot of good things, a lot of really good players. And um, everybody knows J Rob, the recently extended J Rob, does a lot of his scouting. Down in Mobile, Alabama, and he gets he gets a he gets a lot of really good Senior Bowl picks. I mean, David Long, Jeff. Oh well, Jeffrey didn't play because he was torn ACL. But I mean, it, 
AJ Brown, all these studs out there at the Senior Bowl. He finds them, and, you know, he polishes them off. He doesn't take a ton of them in the first round, but he what he does do is, you know, he makes his living like every good GM does. You're always graded on busts, and a bust is only usually going to be in, in in the first round. But ninety percent of your roster, if not more is made up from the later round picks, like third, fourth, fifth round guys mm-hmm. that, you know, have chips on their shoulders. And, you know, J-Rob is a wizard at that. And um, I think there's a lot of good talent out there. Um, and, you know, the Senior Bowl is just just that. I mean, it's a bunch of people that aren't getting as much hype that, as they as they probably should. They're going to fill out a roster and be a 10-year player. Um, so, yeah, I saw yeah. a lot of good stuff from it. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, one thing I will take away from it, I don't see any star quarterbacks coming out of this draft. Uh, I think it's consensus of the NFL. I read one report on Bleacher Report that they're saying that they didn't see one starting caliber, just starting caliber quarterback out of this out of this year's draft class. So that's kind of concerning if you're wanting to draft a Malik Willis or whatnot. For, for some of you Titans fans, I know are wanting to do that, but. I, don't th- I think we I think we just hold what we had this year because uh, J Rob and and, and Rabel have all backed and all the all the players really have all backed Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill has a year like Jimmy Garoppolo had this year or prove it this year, and then we maybe look in the draft next year if he uh, if he sputters and spurts like he did at times this year and really you know really does bad in the playoffs again. So we got to give him one more year. So. Malik Willis stuff, I I think we need to go ahead and pass there. And he may end up being a bit of stud. You know, you never know. Usually when these guys say this position group's terrible and this consensus, it turns out that position group might be all-time great consensus in uh, NFL draft. So you can never tell, but maybe we just step away from that, that conversation for this year anyway. Yeah, I mean, I was never really big on any of the quarterbacks this year. I think next year's class is going to be lights out. I mean, you're going to have – I mean, just off the top of my head, being a Bama alum, you're going to have Bryce Young come out next year. You're going to have Will Anderson come out next year, who I think both are going to be top five picks. Um, mm. You're going you're gonna to have just some absolute dynamite players coming out in next year's draft. And the the trickiest thing about it is – and I know we're kind of going off on a tangent here on, on Titans draft, but the trickiest thing about it is, and it's a good problem to have, but it's also very frustrating to have because, you know, it just shows consistency, but not elevation in a way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is Tennessee picking 26 this year. And, you know, where we picked last year, it, it, I think it was 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very tricky to find – elite like first round talent because you're basically picking in the second round at that point once you get to the mid-20s there's really no no drop off from first to second beginning of second round picks and this is why people love to shit on j-rob for for the first round picks you don't know how hard it is to evaluate 20 through 32 Mm -hmm. it's easy it's easy to evaluate 1 through 15 and even you know to an extent 1 through 20 because you're getting players that are just going to come in expected to start day one or, you know, sit a year and learn the system and play the next year, an example of like quarterbacks. And so like you're kind of having to take, do I go based purely off of talent, even though it's a position we don't need? Do I dip into the injury? Well, which J Rob has done 
to a successful level with Jeffrey Simmons, who is the second best interior defensive lineman in the league. And, you know, Farley is yet to be seen. I think, if anything, his ACL tear is more of a blessing in disguise because it gives him time to get that back feeling well that he had surgery on. And his ACL, he can rehab both of those, which is good. So, I mean, it, picking 26 is so tricky. It, and, you know, we're probably going to have to either trade back or dip into the damaged goods again. And it wouldn't surprise me if we got someone, you know, an injured player. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not going to go into my prospects yet because that's later later in the podcast. But, yeah. And um, another thing that's worth mentioning, Vrabel and Robinson got their extensions. Details I haven't seen yet. But the Jaguars made, in my opinion, the best of a bad situation in hires. I, I 100% think they should have hired Byron Leftwich. The Jags front office inability to re- recognize that Balky needs to be fired enough is ridiculous. Byron wanted to bring a GM with him, which I think they should have allowed to do because I think that's always a successful pairing when you bring a new head coach and a new GM and at the same time and they get on the same page. Um, but they got, they made the best of that and they got Doug Peterson and I think is a good, good football coach. Yeah. I like Doug Peterson too. Uh, what he did with Nick Foles and that Super Bowl runs is, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy thinking about the quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl in the last 10 to 15 years. You got Nick Foles mixed in there. So, hey, Ryan Tannehill, guys, again, you got a Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. If the right situation, we can do it. But that's 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 another point with um, uh, besides that. Uh, however, I like the I like the hire for the Jags because uh, he's proven he can coach up a quarterback. And Peterson, he when Carson Wentz was really on fire. There and um, Philadelphia, Doug Peterson was the head coach, and he was like, you know, the MVP race. I think that's one of the reasons they went ahead and hired him too, because they have more scouting on an in, in division quarterback, which always helps. And um, you know, I, I really like the, I like Doug Peterson. I think uh, the Jaguars really hit it out of the park here. I, I disagree with Asher on the part of Byron Leftwich. It, it seems like it would work out, and whatnot, but we haven't really seen Byron Leftwich without Tom Brady yet either as an offensive coordinator. So. I think they went with a safe hire. I probably would have done the same here in this situation. Byron Leftwich is definitely due if they bring Jameis Winston back like the talks are going and they, that offense keeps humming. There's no way he don't get a job in the next coaching cycle. So I, I kind of see where, where they was going from here. But uh, I'm still not really afraid of the Jaguars. Now, if, if they can really develop Trevor, Trevor Lawrence with Peterson as the quarterback he's expected to be, the Jaguars are going to be scary. They're going to be scary for a number of years, but only time will tell. And, uh, and I think they hit it. I think I would give that hire like an A because uh, I really think Doug Peterson is a really, really good coach. So moving on to uh, our coaching roles, um, Jim Schwartz is out the door. Uh, and what is the new role for Todd Downash? Go ahead and uh, give a, the audience a little bit of knowledge on so- that. Tennessee made a sneaky good hire, in my opinion. So uh, the craziest thing about it is, um, so, you know, Jim Schwartz came in and he helped uh, Shane Bowen out. And Shane Bowen, you know, really took a huge leap in, in the second role of his defensive coordinator position. He was, he, was he calling the plays last year? Was he not? Who was? Who wasn't? Whatever. Shane Bowen has got that job down. It is his. But. The best thing I think Tennessee has done to this point in this offseason was bring in 
Tim Kelly, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator for the Texans, who, I mean, the Texans put together one of the worst rosters in NFL history, and yet they scored more points on opening drives in football games than the Tennessee Titans. They had five opening drive touchdowns. Tennessee had one. One. I mean, if anything, you know, and also, you know, I've gone through the metrics here and there are a bunch of good articles about out and about on it. Tim Kelly knows what to, how to maximize everything around him without going too far into a deep dive analytically. He's going to get the most out of every single player on that offense, which is fantastic for me. I think Tennessee is two pieces away offensively from being just – Lights out, incredible offense. I think that, and I've, I've said I've said this probably three podcasts in a row. I think they're an elite quarterback away, and I think they're an every down tight end away. But there are ways, and you know it as well as I do. The name of the game in chess is to protect your king, but the name of the game on an offensive football team, an offensive minded football team, is typically keep your defense off the field. You want to score as many points as possible. Defense is usually your defense is ass cheeks, for a lack of a better word. Our defense is lights out. So if Tennessee can just help their defense out, it doesn't even have to be going down there and scoring every single opening drive. Sometimes not turning the ball over and, believe it or not, punting from the 45-yard line is an effective offense. Believe it or not. I mean, shocker to Ryan Tannehill – and, and Todd Downing, it, that might come as a complete surprise. But you know what? If you just, – let's just do some simple math here. If you're on your own 45-yard line, right, and you have to punt the football, you are what? How many yards away are you from, from, from your, the other team's end zone, right? You are 55 yards away. So if you punt the ball, let's say 42 yards, right, that puts them inside their own 20, backed up in the end zone, I mean, it, come on. It, it Sometimes it, the game, it sounds so much simpler than it has to be, but it, it just seems like so he needs a head in his ear, kind mm-hmm. of like – and I feel like Tim Kelly is going to do that. The play action is probably going to stay the same, if not go up. I think they're going to see – we're going to see more short first down passes, which I think is fantastic because our first down offense is way too predictable. It's one of two things. Every first play on offense for tight, for the Titans for the last three years has been one of two things. They either come out with a heavy set formation and they run the ball for four yards, or it's a negative two-yard run for Derek because everybody knows it's coming, or it is a play-action pass, a deep crosser middle. That's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. what it was in the fir- first fucking play of that playoff game and where Tannehill just stared down Julio Jones. But, you know, it's going to be good for, for Downing. He's going to have somebody in his ear. And, you know, it's going to put a little pressure on him, much like Shane Bowen. Shane Bowen had that guidance coming from just one of, one of the most underrated defensive minds in, in NFL history, in my opinion. And we saw what that did. And, you know, we're going to see year two is really going to be make or break for Todd Downing. Yeah, and I agree with all the multiple points you made there. Uh, I think Tim Kelly – if if our if I know they can't really do it because it's just not what Brable does, I would prefer Tim Kelly to be the OC in general. 
Uh, what he done in, in, in Houston this year is kind of unbelievable with Davis Mills. Well, I mean, Davis Mills and Damian, Danny Amendola were lighting us up. And that was just because – and I think a lot of it was scheming, and he was taking advantage of what the defense was giving him. And, he, you know, he, he didn't go – Look at that! T- if you go back and look at that Week 17 game against the Texans, the Texans were trying to run the ball a lot in the first half. They come out in the second half and said, you know what, we're going to throw it around the park. That's because the offensive coordinator said, you know, I can come off my game plan a little bit. I can make some changes, make some adjustments. Cause that's what I need to do. And the Texans ended up taking a lead against this. So that just goes to show you, uh, Tim Kelly may be the better offensive mind here, and he may be in the wrong role. I think they should probably swap roles, maybe give Todd Dowling the offensive uh, the pass calling coordinator, whatever they call it, or the passing game coordinator. Maybe let him do that. But, you know, I know I'm wishing for a lot of things here on that. So I'm really, really excited about the Tim Kelly hire because maybe he gets elevated in OC or maybe he just has the Jim Schwartz effect that he had, that Schwartz had this year with our offense and uh, maybe he moves on to greener pastures. It's one year. You know, if it's one year we get to the Super Bowl, great. So I'm really excited about the hire too, but. Moving on to our uh, new segment we're doing now through the offseason, guys. We're going to give you three prospects that we like, um, two uh, draft picks, and one uh, free agency signing that we think we should take. So I'll go ahead and let Asher uh, go with his first two draft picks. All right. Both of these guys are going to kind of touch back on that point on how tough it is for Tennessee picking at 26 you're going to have to dip into a non-sexy pick or an injury-concerned player, somebody coming off of an injury. And I don't think there was anybody better through the first eight weeks in the entire Pac-12 on offense than this guy right here, Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. He is six foot five, 210 pounds. He had 88 catches, 1,084 yards, in seven touchdowns through eight games, through eight games, all right? And you know know as well as I do, in college, they count postseason stats too. What Your bowl game stats are really the only stats you're pretty much measured on once you reach a certain level. But anyhow, he was was unreal. He missed four injuries. I think he could slip to 26, depending on how the first 20 picks pan out. Um, I – it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he was picked before 26 to somewhere like the Raiders, because I feel like the Raiders losing Henry Ruggs could really use another top off wide receiver. They know what they have in Hunter Renfro. He's your third down go-to. He just gets open. He's like, a, you know, a, a, I don't want to say like baby Cooper cut because they're both similar age, but he's good. He, they played the similar role. But uh, overall, my optimi- optimism level of, of getting him is uh, I would probably say I, I'd probably say I'm about a six or a seven on, on it, that if he'll be there or not. Okay, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I've, I've actually watched a little bit about him. He is a big guy, uh, and we and you know we need more people that are willing to go in the middle of the field and get hit. So I mean, able body receiver that can do that would be awesome. So. I like that. Uh, going on to my first uh, pick I have here, he's kind of in the, they get projecting the later rounds. It's um, Alex Wright. He's an edge out of UL, UAB, and uh, maybe I'm a little biased because UAB is only two hours south of us. So, well, of me now. But um, he, he, he's really fast off the edge, and I think that's kind of what we're missing in our D-line. We don't, we don't have a really fast edge defender here. Landry's probably our fastest player coming off the edge. 
it gives you a little bit of a, a little switch up in the depth. You know, you're going off a lot of bull rushers and Bud Dupree and Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, and you, that, that offensive tackle there. You know, he's he's used to getting bull rushed all game long, and then you get this fast guy comes in. That really helps in the run game too. So uh backside pursuit so I, I like this kid out of uab alex right my first pick that's a good one I, I was looking at him he's on my list of players um all right so my second one again i'm, I'm gonna go heavy on first round talent um uh, because i feel like there there are a couple of players here that we could get that would that would fall to us with tremendous upside and the second one i got to watch all year all year play. And um, this one right here is what can transform our offense into the stratosphere of being pretty much pick your poison, uh, one, like 2.0, like better than the Chiefs, is uh, I'm going with Jamison Williams. So, and this one is, is co- tough for me to grade this one because I would love it if he fell to 26. Don't get If, if Jamison Williams falls to 26 – and the Tennessee Titans don't draft him, I think that they have missed a golden opportunity for them to be pretty much exactly what the, the Kansas City Chiefs are with different personnel. So Kansas City, the reason why they're so tough to defend is because you have Travis Kelsey, who is too big for a cornerback to cover him, but he's also too fast for a linebacker to cover him. So you have to double him. Um, and then they have – they have Tyree Kell out there on the outside, who, in my opinion, is not a good wide receiver. He's just fucking fast, all right? But everybody knows speed kills. Speed beats – speed is the ultimate X factor in the NFL. Because speed – if you're fast enough, you aren't run angles. If you're fast enough, you'll run away from people. If you're fast enough, you can take a 10-yard slant pass and go 80 yards into the end zone. So – uh, Jamison Williams can be everything that everything and more that we want from that. Um, it's it's unbelievable the guy's upside. He tore his ACL in the national championship game, which is very unfortunate timing for him because I thought he was probably going to be a projected top fifteen, top ten pick. But now with the timing of the injury, his draft stock is going to slip. I'm more optimistic that. Jamison Williams will fall to us than I am that I am Drake London. I, I believe the timing of Jamison Williams' injury, um, the event that it happened in, and for someone that's as skinny as he is, he's 6'2", he's 189. He's not the biggest wide receiver in, you know, out there for that kind of frame. I mean, think about it. A.J. Brown's, what, 6'2", 6'3", 240, 230, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very similar in height. Um, different body types. The guy is just a freak. He's got elite speed, elite ball skills, just flat out run. So him falling at 26, I feel like is a very real possibility. And I feel like if we don't trade out of the first round, we should take Jamison Williams at 26. Yeah, uh, that was kind of the going joke on Titans Twitter. Um, as soon as they heard the ACL, uh, everybody knew J-Rob was coming after him. There's tons of J-Rob memes on Jamison Williams. And I think, I think the, the fact, behind that and you know J-Rob already has a track record of it and we don't really know what kind of fall is going to be yet well we do know what Jeffrey Simmons is and it's turned out to be awesome so he's one for two as of now in those picks and really making an impact in their first year starting so we can see what Jameson Williams does <coughs> excuse me and um, if he was picked there I would be excited for that pick because that would be a definite upgrade at the wide receiver position and give us a little 
little room, not an upgrade, I say, but it gives us more over the top explosive offense. So, uh, yeah, I like that too. So, Nick, my, and you Asher's focusing on the, the first round pick. I, I was looking more into the depth of the draft this time around. So, um, Kyle Phillips, wide receiver out of UCLA. Uh, he's, Great he's pick. looking at, He's looking in the back end of the draft right now, but I think he's going to rise up uh, looking at him there. I think he's going to – they've got him – most mocks have got him in the sixth round or so. I think he ends up in the fourth round before it goes in. The combine happens and whatnot. So, he's a dude – he's electric fast. He's a great playmaker. I think he's Nick Westbrook-Akina with way more uh, rack ability – or yak ability, excuse me. I think um, – I think he's got the he's got a big body, but he can break tackles like our stud receivers can. So I think he could be a real weapon over the middle of the field if we can pick him up. I think he could give us. I think he could be the offensive side of this draft's Elijah Molden. I really do. I think if we could get that guy, he would be great in this offense. So that's that's my picks. Uh, the, the kid out of UAB and Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. That's that's where I'm going on these two. Those are two very, very good picks. I, I like both of those picks. I'm just trying to be as – you know, my picks this this go-around were more what can we do at 26. At 26, you're so limited. You are so limited at what you can do at 26. And it wouldn't surprise me if neither one of those things happen. If neither of those players are available there and Penning is gone, the monster, the behemoth, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Tennessee trades back into the second round and take somebody early there. Um, mm. There are a lot of good value picks in this draft. I think another sleeper that I'm just going to go ahead and throw out and tell you it's going to be on my next next week's podcast, I think Brian Robinson in the fourth or fifth round of the running yep, back yep, out of Alabama. Yep. I, I mean, that. he could get if Dante if Dante Foreman is, is gone in free agency, which I'm going to say this, I think he should leave because he deserves the money. He deserves it. He's earned it. The guy's been like an outcast in the NFL – ever since he got hurt in Houston. Um, teams just kind of give up on running backs after a certain amount of time, which is very, very frustrating to me. But, um, yeah, I think it would be a good bang for a buck pick. The guy the guy runs hard. He runs angry. He's not as electric or explosive as, as either Derek or Foreman, but he'll get you for four yards. Four yards a clip is what you want when you take Derek That's out. That's what we want. That's what we yeah. want. I like that pick. But um, moving on to the free agency, and I'll go ahead and knock out mine here. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys a precursor. It's, it's the same position as I picked last week, but I think it's more of a splashy. I should give you the splashy draft picks, but I'm going to try to give you a splashy free agency pick. Um, if J-Rock could pull this out, I think this would be a complete game changer for our offense. Uh, David and Joku's up for a signing this year out of Cleveland, tied in. Um, he's played with Baker Mayfield, and he's playing a very, very run-centric offense already like we do. I think he would be a seamless, seamless fit with this offense. And I may be, you know, chasing here uh, a, a dream again. But if we could sign that guy, wow, would this offense look really different this year. Uh, he's a great – he's not only – last week I talked about Evan Ingram, but Evan Ingram doesn't really block. David Njoku blocks, and he can catch the, and he can catch the ball in the middle of the field in traffic. He's fast. He's Johnny Smith on steroids, in my opinion. Uh, he's more of a playmaker than Johnu. Johnu's fast, but Johnu wasn't a very great route runner, and Johnu was a good blocker. But I think Njoku's just a little bit better than that. And his really underrated facet of Cleveland's uh, run game—they like to run those outside zones with Chubb and 
and um, the other back, I can't think of his name right now. But if the Titans could sign this guy, wow, we'll be excited. So that's my pick for the week for the free agency side. I'm going to David Njoku. We both went tight end this week in free agency. Mine is way less sexy, but I feel like it would it would accomplish what we would need without having to command Njoku's money. I'm going with O.J. Howard um, out of Tampa Bay. And you might you might have heard of him a couple of years ago. He was drafted first round. He hasn't really been given the shot since he tore his Achilles, I believe, in, in, in Tampa Bay. I think it was his second year. Um, they've kind of forgotten about him. And, you know, I feel like they could have traded him at the deadline um, for something instead of losing him for nothing. Um, I think O.J. Howard can quietly come in and work his way up through that depth chart because, I mean, let's be honest here, who is Ferkshire going to beat out O.J. Howard? I don't think so because O.J. blocked well, and he had the misfortune of Tom Brady coming and bringing along his best friend, who is arguably the greatest tight end in NFL history, along with him, and taking pretty much taking his spot away. I mean, there's just – are you going to tell Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski no? No. No, you're not going <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You're not going to. Um, so, O.J. Howard, um, it, this is also dependent on what happens with Gronk, even though I already know what's going to happen. He's going to retire. So, then they're going to scramble and try to re-sign O.J. But if we could get O.J. Howard, it would quietly address not having to carry three tight ends on your active roster. That has been bugging me for ever since Delaney Walker left. We are tying up three roster spots to tight ends. That's like carrying three fucking – or two punters. That's exactly yeah. what that's like. That's like carrying two punters on the same fucking team. But yeah, if, if, if you get rid of those tight end spots, you could add another corner, another receiver. You could add, you could add more edge depth that we really need, I think, because going forward, um, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, if we could, if we could get OJ Howard, that'd be sexy too. I mean, I think OJ Howard has just not benefited from where he, because when Tom Brady came to town, he didn't get to play. He had to play with James Winston. So yep. OJ Howard hasn't really been in a, a good offense, and I, you know, we all know Ryan Tannehill will get the job done in the regular season, and he loves throwing the tight end. So if we can get him a nice tight end target, Joku or OJ Howard, and I think both of them would make an immediate impact on the offense, and would uh, and and another thing about OJ Howard, he may want to come play here because he's he can go play with his old college mate and Derrick Henry. So um, exactly. And especially with Julio Jones, who the fuck doesn't? That's another thing that's pissing me off lately. People that are trying to call, call for us to cut Julio Jones right now. Come on, they don't stop. understand if we cut him right now, we're losing thirteen over thirteen million dollars. If Julio, if Julio <laughs> Jones gets cut, it's going to be after June first, okay? Because then we won't lose four million, and I don't think we should cut him. No, Julio, give Julio one more year, man. He 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 didn't play up to the standard of Julio Jones. We all know that, but. He was injured, and we've seen it at the end of the year. When Julio is healthy, he makes that offense so much better. He does, period, period. You can't say he doesn't. You can't. I agree. One more year with Julio. If we cut him after next year, I don't think I'd be okay. I think I'd be fine with that unless he just goes for 130 catches and 12, I mean, 1,200 yards or something. And I don't know, you know, just some astronomical season. I would be fine with cutting him next year and maybe drafting a new guy, but – no, bring Julio back. Got to run this thing back one more year and see what we can do. Exactly. And if if you want to cut somebody, it's not Julio Jones because Julio Jones takes pressure off of AJ Brown just by being on the field. He takes pressure off of AJ Brown. 
He takes pressure off of Derrick Henry. He makes the offense more versatile. He's not, and this is going to sound shitty, he's not like a, an offensive lineman where you can just go plug one in from free agency, all right? Rodgers, if anybody's going to be a cap casualty, I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to be Roger Saffold. Yep. Which makes me which makes me upset because I love Saffold, but the dude's just he, – he was so banged up this year. He's in save 11 mil. I'm going to tell you right now, two players that are going to be cap casualties, casualties are probably going to be Janoris, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, and Roger Saffold. I could see both, yeah. And if, if that's the case, uh, you know, you got Nate Davis, and I think really what really happens if Saffold's cut is – Ray Duns is Ray Duns moves to left guard there, and mm-hmm. we draft the kid out of Northern Iowa or Utah to play right tackle, and I think that's what happens. I so, agree. Um, I'd agree with that hundred percent, and that would save. Ta- There's no way Taylor Lewan's getting cut. No. let's just go ahead and throw that one out there because that would mean we'd have to replace two tackles. No, and I think Taylor Lewan, possibly next year, depending on how he plays, Taylor Lewan could be a cap casualty. But I agree. Uh, I don't. I think Taylor Lewan cements himself because the last 16 weeks of the season, Taylor Lewan played lots out. Let's be honest. He gave up the Chandler Jones game, yeah, but he was coming. You know, he was getting ready back with his ACL. I hate the Taylor Lewan slander because he makes our offensive line so much better. He's one of the guys that started to create this culture of winning in Tennessee. I want him to be a Titan for life. I do. I so, agree. I hope and he, get, I hope he plays at- as good as he did last, this year, last 16 weeks and forward. And I hope he plays that way next year, and I hope he gets the bag again because he deserves it if he does. And so. if you want to also – the people that are saying, oh, he's owed too much money, he signed his contract three years ago, which made him the highest-paid left tackle in the league. He's been passed three times since then. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not even – his salary due next year, I think, puts it middle of the pack, left starting left tackle salary. Mm-hmm. So – Stop griping. You're griping in all of the wrong positions, and you're, you're pointing at all of the wrong positions of players that are going to be cut. It's going to probably be Roger Saffold. So just accept that. If any offensive lineman is going to be cut, they're going to prioritize re-signing Ben Jones over, re, over, over Roger Saffold. All right? Saffold is probably gone, and that means Taylor one has to stay to cement that left side of the offensive line, and then Ben Jones has to stay because he's the anchor. So, Saffold is probably gone. Jayon Brown is probably not coming back. Rashawn Evans is sure as shit gone. And Janoris Jenkins is gone. Um, those are my picks of players that are probably not going to be on the roster because Caleb Farley will probably be starting day one of 2022, week one. Um, Jack Rabbit will not be there. Christian Fulton will be there, who played at a Pro Bowl level. And – uh, and one more note on the, on the re-signing and cap casualties. Uh, people, Harold Landry's probably going to get the franchise tag this year. So, be ready for maybe a holdout. Um, I can see that this season. Uh, so, they, they paid Bud Dupree in the offseason last season. And uh, Harold Landry deserves every bit of Bud Dupree's contract. So, uh, we might have a uh, holdout situation on hand this offseason. So, that, that's that's what I expect now. I completely agree with Asher on the Saffold. And I don't want Saffold to be gone because I like Saffold. He's been a I great player for us. Jack Rank Jenkins played really good in the back end of the season, too. But, you know, he's older and he's a corner. So, I mean, it's, it's expected. But Harold Landry is going to get that franchise tag most likely. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit if he got the franchise tag. Unless, unless he takes less than top 10 edge rusher money, which, yeah. I, I mean, I don't see it happening, even though. Flaming hot take. Harold Landry benefited from the players that were on the field around him. Harold oh, Landry on his own. 
if Bud Dupree wasn't out there during those games, Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree only had one and a half sacks. But mm-hmm. if you look at the games, the games that Landry got his sacks, it was because Bud Dupree was coming with him. Hale Landry on his own is no TJ Watt. So that he needs to get that in his head. I love Harold Landry. I love Harold Landry, but you've got to look ahead to the future. You've got to tag him this year. I don't think we can sign him. I really don't think we can sign him long-term with Jeffrey Simmons' contract looming. No. That no. Is, with Bud Dupree and Danico Autry's contract, Harold Landry's probably going to be the guy that's left out. He might be a Titan for one more year, and then I expect him probably to go off in the sunset. But I hate that because I love Harold Landry. I do, too. I think he was an incredible pick that year. Um it's just – it's going to be – it's going to suck. And, you know, people are just going to have to come to terms with it. But Harold Landry is probably not going to be a Titan for life. Um, he, he benefits from a good scheme and players around him. Harold Landry, when he has to be the number one pass rushing option, is not an elite pass rusher. He benefits from having Bud Dupree next to him. He benefits from having Jeffrey Simmons up there and Nico Autry and Tierra Tartan, whoever the hell else you want to put up there, Naquan Jones. Daquan Jones, whichever one you want to put up there. Um, that that's just my opinion on it. And that's how it has to be in the NFL. Like player, like you look at Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree got paid being the second best edge rusher on that team. Harold Landry is probably at, at true form. And if everybody's healthy, he's probably the third best pass rusher on that team. Behind Jeffrey Simmons at one and behind Bud Dupree at two. Well, um, you got to think of it as when the contract comes, you got to pick between Jeff and Harold Landry, and we I'm all taking Jeff. getting picked. We all I'm taking Jeff, one hundred percent. You're taking Jeff. You're taking Big Jeff. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. It's tough to hear it, but you wouldn't respect us if we weren't honest. So we're not going to sugarcoat everything and you know shit rainbows and and <laughs> gumdrops for you. But it's just the way it is. Uh, back to this game that I really could care less about, other than the fact that it's deemed the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I'm taking the Rams. I've said it pretty much all year that I thought the two teams in the Super Bowl were going to be either Tennessee Titans and the Rams playing each other or the Titans and the Packers. Um, one of those scenarios, half of it is right. The other half completely shit the bed. Um, but I, I'm taking the Rams. They just have Cooper, what Cooper cut. And I've seen this tweet. I've seen this tweet. All right. It's to me, to <laughs> me, it, somebody sent this to me. And I am only I'm only quoting here. All right. What Cooper Cup about to do to Eli Apple in Black History Month is just downright disrespectful. Should be a crime. Should be a crime. Yep. I've seen variations of it trending on Twitter. And I'm not gonna lie to you. What Cooper Cup is going to do to that shitty Bengal secondary, it has nothing to do to me with Eli Apple. I mean, whoever is up against him is going to get beat by good fundamental rush running, <laughs> which is what which is what Cooper Cup does. All right, he's not explosive. He is not fast. He is not. Uh, he's not physical. All right, what, but what he is good at, he has great footwork and he just gets open. All right, he's like Hunter Renfro. Does anybody consider Hunter Renfro an elite wide receiver? No, you consider him an elite fundamental football player. So, I got a good comparison for Cooper Cup. If Cooper Cup keeps his trajectory and he keeps these numbers with Matt Stafford for the next five to six years, he will be an all-time great because these numbers are astronomical. Um, Cooper Cup could be the Tim Duncan of the NFL before it's all said and done. He, Tim Duncan doesn't get the respect he really deserves in the NBA for what he done because he was. He's just fundamentally a great player. 
That's what Cooper Cup is, and I really expect him to just light them up this weekend. And I think I think the Rams win it, and I think the Rams win it going away because, well, like I said earlier in the podcast, the pressure is going to be too much this week off the line. And I think that's going to be the story of the game. And they're going to have a quarterback that's not going to throw three interceptions in the offensive play caller that's not afraid of the moment. So, I mean, it, but also Odell. Odell, too, helps them. I mean, yeah. you can't double-team Cooper Cup and leave Odell open. And, you know – Well, he gives the Julio only... Jones effect in that offense. Yeah, he does. And, you know, the thing about it is uh, if the Rams are playing football well, it, all the offense benefits from the defense, which, you know, we're kind of seeing a similar pattern with our Titans because – but the personnel for the Rams' defense is just fucking insane to me. They have, in my opinion, the greatest player in the NFL on their defensive line against the worst NFL offensive line. And then they have Jamar Chase on, on the Bengals, who has been you know, running routes and lighting the league up and all this, that, and the other, going against the best DB in the NFL, um, who has been the best DB since he started his second year in the league. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey. So, it, and then they brought they brought such an uh, underrated signing into the playoffs. They brought Eric Weddle off the street, bro, and brought him in, brought him in to play for that playoff run. And you know the Rams are going to take home the Super Bowl. Um, they're they're going to win, and I think they might win by seven to ten points. I don't think it's going to be particularly close until the end of the game. I think the Bengals are there just two years earlier than they expected to be, or. Two years earlier than they really need to be. I mean, they earned it. They beat the best teams in the AFC to get there, 100%. Other than the Raiders, that's who they matched up against. But they beat the, the one seed and they beat the two seed, both on the road. So they deserve to be there. But I think they're, I think they're not luck, but it draws up this weekend when the Rams take them at home and uh, take care of business. But that's uh, yeah. been the podcast for the week, guys. Uh, we didn't want to go too long because I know there's not a whole lot to talk about, but we really enjoy talking Titans offseason and seeing what this team's going to be. Uh, we Both of us aspire to be NFL GMs, which probably never going to happen, but that would be my dream job. But that's besides the point, guys. We really appreciate you guys still tuning in and uh, listening. So we're going to keep doing this for you. And uh, as always, tighten up. Tighten up.